Eh bien, bonsoir à tous dans le précieux et le merveilleux nom de notre Seigneur Jésus-Christ. I heard, was informed that this past Sunday, our brother Tony Martin uh, from the Sudbury Assembly was speaking here. Uh, for you to listen to two French-speaking Canadians in the past four days, should qualify you uh, to receive a special reward in heaven. My name is Louis Voyer. If that sounds French, it's because it is French. And for our dear brother that introduced me, uh, he could be grateful that he did not have to pronounce my six names. I have six names. I was an only child of French-speaking parents, and I believe they gave me every name that they wished to give to their other children, which they did not have. So are you writing this down? Joseph, Louis, Georges, Rosario, Viatar, Voyer. There will be a test afterwards and a special reward for those who remembered uh, that I come from the Mississauga area, a suburb of Toronto. I'm commended from an assembly, have been for over 35 years to the Lord's work. And this evening I would like to share a portion of God's word that has been much upon my heart in recent days. And at the end of the message, I will share why this portion of scripture has been Speaking to my heart, it is a very common or well-known portion of God's word found in Mark chapter 4. Can anyone, can everyone hear me, by the way? Please say yes. Uh, I can understand English, you know. And uh, you'll have to do with my French accent tonight. And after Tony Martin was here. You'll probably be fluently bilingual in French and English by the time that I leave. In Mark's Gospel, the fourth chapter, we read a familiar, well-known portion of God's Word, beginning at verse 35, Mark chapter 4, and the 35th verse. On the same day, when the evening was come, he, meaning the Lord Jesus Christ, saith unto them, meaning his disciples, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in a ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat unto the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillar. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still, and the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, 
that even the wind and the sea obey him. For over 35 years, I labored in the gospel to men and women employed in different transportation companies, mostly the railway, the airlines, the transit, those that worked in automotive plants, transit companies on Great Lakes ships. And it reminds me tonight, you see, when the Lord and his disciples set out for the other side, did the disciples that night notice something very significant, something so significant that it is mentioned in the portion of God's word that we just read, a fact that is sometimes often forgotten. But to make it more relevant to me and to you tonight, did, did, do we notice what the disciples ought to have noticed that night? Indeed, Is that a storm, by the way? Did we notice it today? When they set out to the other side in the storm, and it seems somewhat appropriate, right, under the circumstances, did they notice that they weren't alone? Did they notice those in the other little ships? You know, oftentimes when this portion of God's word is spoken about, sometimes the fact that there were other little ships out that night is often forgotten. It is mentioned here very clearly at the outset. And so tonight, a very relevant question to each and every one of us tonight is this. Did we notice Today, in our workplaces, in our classrooms, in our neighborhoods, those in the other little ships. What do we see? It was evening, right? Say right. You can say that, you know. Do we see the darkness? Or do we see those that are lost in the darkness? I wrote a gospel paper in both French and English to share the gospel to those in different transportation companies, as I've mentioned. I remember years ago visiting a railway yard belonging to the Canadian National Railway near Quebec City in Canada. I had visited that railway facility on many occasions. And every time I had gone to that place, I was always rebuffed. People didn't really care that I was there. When I put the gospel paper on the table, they would throw them away. Two hundred men worked out of that railway yard in Charney Yard near Quebec City. And once again, I went back to that railroad yard. How many work in that yard? Somebody is listening. That was just a test. And when I got out of my car, I took five copies of our gospel paper. Five copies for 200 men. 
why am I only taking five copies for 200 men? Because I'm looking at the darkness more than at the Son of God who came to save me and to save you out of darkness. So I went back into that railway yard with five copies of our paper. And as soon as one of the men saw me, he was one of the clerks there, and he saw me carrying the paper, and he said this, we have a problem with that paper. I thought to myself, what else is new? I was expecting the worst. He said, you write this paper? You know, it's times like that when you don't really want to take the credit for anything, isn't it? I said, yes, sir, I, I'm the one who writes that paper. And he said, the problem we have with that paper is this. We don't get enough copies. I said, what? He said, you only send us ten copies in the mail. And some of the men actually like reading this. They do? And then he asked me a question that was a strong rebuke. How many have you brought? Oh, no. Cinq. You know what that means in French? Five. He said, well, that won't do. I said, yes, sir. If you just give me a moment, I'll go to my car and I'll get some more. And as I did so... I asked the Lord for forgiveness for looking at the darkness more than at the Lord Jesus Christ who came to save lost men and women, boys and girls, out of darkness into his marvelous light. What are we looking at? What did the disciples that night look at? The darkness or those in the other little ships who were out there that night who went through the same storm? but had not the Lord Jesus Christ with them. You know, if there is one city in the United States that is spiritually dark, especially one day a year, what city would that be? New Orleans, Louisiana. And what day would that be? Mardi Gras Tuesday. And uh, I had not really checked my schedule that much. I was scheduled to speak at Slidell Bible Chapel and there I was in that city on Mardi Gras Tuesday. Did I want to be in New Orleans, Louisiana on that day? No. I asked the Lord that I would not see anything that would be impure to my eyes. But I said, Lord, you are the Lord of Calvary. You have won the victory once for all. Even on this day, the darkest day, would you be pleased for the glory of thy name today, O Lord, to open every door that I visit in this city today on the eastern side of New Orleans off Almanaster Avenue. There's a CSX railroad yard. Some of you don't really particularly care about these things, but that's the CSX railroad. Do you know that you have the CSX Railroad in Fort Lauderdale and Hialeah and other places? No? I spent a lot of time visiting in those railroad yards. 
And I entered the yard office there on Almanasser Avenue in New Orleans. And the man said to me, the train master said to me, he said, how did you get in here? I said, I walked through the door. I didn't know what was so significant. He said, it's supposed to be locked. I said, sir, if it was locked, I would not be here. He said, where did you park your car? I walked into the window and I pointed to it. I said, I said, it's right there. He said, how did you get it in there? I said, I drove it in there. He said, that's impossible. Everything is closed up today. All the gates are closed up. And I pointed to another window. I said, that one isn't closed up. And he looked at it and he was frustrated and consternated. He said, how come that door is open? I did not have the nerve to tell him that I had prayed that every door (laughs) would be opened up to me that day. You don't seem as excited about that as I am. But we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, don't we? I went to the Norfolk Southern Railroad Yard on Oliver Avenue there in New Orleans. And there was a little building belonging to the railroad on the far side of the track from the yard office. And I knew that the track department was not working that day. And that's where they kept their tools. So they would not be there. But I had asked the Lord for every door, right? Right? Did that little building have a door? Yes. So I had to go and check it. And I said, Lord, if there's nobody here, I understand. I'm trying to get the Lord off the hook, I guess, so stupidly, really. And I went up and I checked the door, and it was locked, just like I'd figured. I turned, and all of a sudden, I hear this voice. There was a locomotive engine all by itself in the middle of that railroad yard. And a person shouted, You want it? I couldn't even see who was shouting at me. And then a man poked out his head. He was hostler. He was getting that engine ready for departure. I said, do you have the keys to this building over here? Sure do. I'm coming down. Every door that day on Mardi Gras Tuesday in New Orleans, Louisiana, was opened by the power of God to share the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't look at the darkness. Right? Look at the Lord Jesus. And don't allow the darkness to discourage your hearts as you labor in the gospel. I remember years ago being asked on a Sunday evening to speak at an outdoor meeting uh, that was arranged by an assembly in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And those dear brothers and sisters had prayed so diligently. They had canvassed the neighborhood, inviting men and women and boys and girls to attend that meeting. They had put out beautiful invitation forms. and They had prayed most fervently, earnestly for people to come that Sunday evening, that open-air meeting, to hear the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he had done for them personally on the cross of Calvary. It was a beautiful night. There was not a cloud in the sky. There was no reason for people not to come. The chairs were set out. There was a snack that was prepared for those that would come and attend and hear the gospel.
was only those in the assembly who came. It was unbelievable that no one had responded, it seemed, to that invitation to come and to hear the gospel. And I shared that night the good news of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ out of Romans chapter 1. And the people sitting in that park were all dear brothers and sisters in the assembly. Don't get me wrong. Christians should enjoy hearing the gospel. But they were disappointed. There was a lot of snack to eat afterwards, I can tell you that. And after that, we brought the chairs back into the assembly. And you can tell how disappointed they were that no one had come, apparently. And then it just struck me. Those Sorry, I move away. It's, it's part about being French-Canadian. Those in the other little ships that night were all out there. They weren't sitting in the chairs. I saw some kids. They were biking, and they stopped long enough to listen. I saw somebody open their window, a second-floor window, pop their head out to listen to the message. I saw people walking their dogs. I saw someone go out in their front porch and sit in a rocking chair and listen to the message. We ought not to have been discouraged that night. Those in the other little ships, they may not have been sitting in the chairs, you see. But if we had had that gospel meeting in that assembly building, and don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that, but those people biking and driving and walking their dogs would not have heard the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ that night. We ought not to be discouraged. Amen? Amen? You know, but sadly, I don't blame them. But as far as I know, that was the last time those dear brothers and sisters arranged for a Sunday gospel meeting outdoors. Don't lose heart. Keep praying, right? Keep sowing the good seed of the gospel. Don't lose heart. Don't look at the darkness. See those in the other little ships who need to be saved. You know, Vancouver, British Columbia, in my country, is the most beautiful city, but it is also a very spiritually dark city. And in the part of Vancouver called North Vancouver, there is a railway yard belonging to BC Rail. And I went into that railroad yard on two occasions. And I was shown the door. Did you get that even though I wasn't behind the mic? Right? I was shown the door. So for the next few years when I would visit Vancouver and I'd see that building... I'd say to the Lord, Lord, I've already tried. (laughs) Do we do that sometimes? Lord, I've already tried, but those in the darkness have no interest. And for several years, I'd pass that building by. Until one day, the Lord put it on my heart to pray. To pray that the door would be opened. And on one trip, I went back into that building. I met one of the managers. He was getting ready to throw me out of the building. But there was another manager superior to him. And this is what he said. 
He said, do you see that lunchroom over there? I said, yes, sir. He said, you go put your papers, the gospel papers. You go put the papers there in the lunchroom. Again, you don't. You need more French blood in you, I think. I don't. I don't expect anybody to be doing cartwheels. I know this is an assembly, and we got to control our emotions. And and may I commend you? You're doing a wonderful job at controlling your emotions. You know. And uh, so I went and I put the papers on the table, and I told the men that were in that lunchroom. I said, "Your train master gave me permission to leave these papers here. I did not give the papers to." them individually for when you do they feel obligated to take it I put it on the table they had the opportunity if they wish to take it two of the men got up and took it if I have to say oh man it's not really good you know right and uh, a spiritually dark place and I was so encouraged, but I should have known it wasn't going to be that easy. And all of a sudden, from the corner of the room, I heard, what's this stuff? Oh, no. And I turned, and it was a woman. And I had not fixed my eyes upon her. I had not seen her there. And she got very angry, so much so that she got up, berated me, went to the table, snatched the gospel papers that were left on the table, and had the audacity to go and take them out of the hands of the two men that had already begun to read it. Now that's audacity. I did not want to make a scene. You know, God is well able to open a door. You don't have to push it down. I asked her if I can have the papers back. I said, you don't have to take one, you know. She would not listen to my logic. I said, your boss gave me permission. She didn't accept his authority. I thought she would throw them to me in my face. But she handed them to me. I was at least grateful for that. I left a room, somewhat tempted. (laughs) Tempted to go back to her manager. I must admit I was tempted. But how could I do so and not point her out? I said, Lord, those papers were in the hands of those people lost in darkness. I said, Lord, please open that door. I was walking out of the building. I had no intention of seeing the manager. And he saw me go right by his office. He was still in there, and he saw me, that I still had the papers in my hand. And he shouted, he said, didn't you leave them? I said, someone objected. If I say a woman objected, and there's only one woman in that room, someone objected. And then he said to me, he said, listen, he said, oh, he said, give them to me. He says, as soon as she leaves, I'll go and put them out. So don't allow the darkness to discourage your hearts. Did you get that? Am I speaking in French or am I speaking in English? Right? Continue to pray, especially for lost souls. Don't look at the weather channel. 
The Bible says, don't, don't, don't look which way the wind is coming and just, right? Cast your bread upon the waters. I remember one morning in Greenville, South Carolina, I looked at the Weather Channel. There's nothing wrong in looking at the Weather Channel. I'm talking about the spiritual Weather Channel. And I was told that morning that it was to rain in Greenville, South Carolina, Saturday afternoon, all day Sunday, and into Monday. I went out early that Saturday morning before the rains came, and there was this building belonging to the CSX Railroad where they were from Monday to Friday, and it was surrounded by barbed wire fence. There was a mailbox next to the building, but I could not reach it. What could I do? So I took the papers. I put them in an envelope. What's wrong with that? It's going to rain, right? And I, I put them in the, the fence. Somebody said, why not? A, a dear sister said, why don't you bring Ziploc bags? That way they won't get wet. You see, that's why men need helpmates. <laughs> For 30 years, I hadn't figured that one out all by myself. And she figured it out just right away. And so I left the envelope there, right? And it rained Saturday and it rained Sunday. Monday, I was in Augusta, Georgia, visiting another railroad yard. And I'm going into the office an office, the yard office there, and the man sees me walking by and and uh, and he says to me, he says, you're the one, aren't you? I said, beg your pardon? You're the guy who left his papers. In the, in the fence there in, Green, in Greenville. I said, how do you know that? He said, I found them this morning. They were all soaking wet. I said, yes, sir. But he said, don't you worry. I'm drying them out. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And all I could see was like a clothesline with the papers being all laid out and drying up. I knew one thing. Why would that man dry them? I knew one thing from the very word, that that man in all likelihood, and he was a brother in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't look at the weather channel. (laughs) Right? Show it in the morning. Sow it in the evening. Don't withhold your hand, right, in these last days before his soon return. Trust God will make a way. He will even use the rain sometimes to open the door. Can I share one story like that? Please say yes. Sometimes people say you ask a question and you're going to do it anyway. So why ask? New Haven, Connecticut, the Amtrak. Stationed there behind the Amtrak station in New Haven, Connecticut, are five transportation companies, but they're all accessed through a security gate. Metro North, commuter rail, Connecticut limousine, a repair facility of Amtrak, a repair facility of the United States Postal Service. You get the picture, and there's a security gate. And unless you have a prearranged appointment with one of the managers, you don't get beyond that gate. And I tried one year to go, and the security guard took one look at me and told me to get lost. So I went back a year later, and I said, Lord, unless I've changed an awful lot, and if it's the same security guard, he'll remember me from last year. It was pouring rain that day, and I felt sorry for myself. Do you sometimes feel sorry for yourself? None of you do. I'm moving to uh, to Pembroke Pines, you see. 
and I went into the Amtrak station right next to that security gate, and I was soaking wet, and the man, the transit, uh, the, the, the uh, train station manager looked at me, and he said, he said, where did you come from, Toronto? He must have thought I walked all the way from Toronto to New Haven, <laughs> Connecticut in the, in the rain. I was soaking wet, and I was just dripping. And he was a very gracious guy. And he received the gospel papers that I offered to him with joy. I was so very thankful. I shook his hand and was ready to leave. And then he asked a question that could only have been put on his lips by the Spirit of God. He said, where are you going now? I said, there's a security gate next door and there was companies back there. He said, listen, he said, you'll go outside and you'll get all soaking wet all over again. I said, yes, sir. He said, there's an underground passageway for our employees. Follow me. I will get you to the other side and you won't have to go through that rain nor through that security gate. Trust the Lord. God cares for those in the other little ships. Trust him to make a way. You know, it's one thing. I have seven minutes left. It's one thing, you know, to know that the people out there on those other little ships. Can I have a glass of water, by the way? Can someone give me a glass of water, please? That would be so appreciated. It's one thing, you know, to know that those and the other little ships are around us every day. But what are we doing personally to reach out to them with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ? You know, for over 30 years, as I've mentioned, I share the scriptures often in Bible studies in different transportation companies, airline companies like American Airlines, United Airlines, U.S. Airlines. There was once I was invited to the uh, hangar of U.S. Air in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, to speak on the afternoon shift at 7 o'clock. There's a dear brother in Christ who works the, uh, the day shift. His name was Joe. He said, Louie, I'll come back this evening and I'll join you for the Bible study. He said, I'd like to get there at 6.30, a half hour before the Bible study begins, Louie. Why did Joe want to be there at 6.30, a half hour before that Bible study started in that U.S. air hangar? Thank you. Are you still all following me, by the way? <laughs> well, that wasn't overwhelming. <laughs> Can I put that there? Did we meet a half hour early to pray? Yes. But Joe did something else. He went out looking for those in the other little ships. Do you understand what I'm saying? No. He walked through that hangar. These were people that worked a second shift. He didn't know them as much as those that he worked with on first shift, on daylight shift. But he went looking for them. And we walked through the hangar. And he'd say, what is your name, Frank? Frank, this is Louis here from Canada. And he comes once a year to speak. And he'll be speaking at 7 o'clock at that, in that office up there, in the second floor up there. 
and you're invited to come, Frank. <laughs> you know how many people came? How many mechanics came that night? Twenty. It's not the number that matters. Listen, after the Bible study was over, I asked one of the men who has a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior, and I said, as much as you can possibly discern, you cannot look into hearts, of course, but how many of those 20 men would you say that came tonight have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? He said, well, I cannot say with certainty, but four. All that I'm trying to say, and I'm not making a point because you're all looking at me with glazed eyes, which is never good. If Joe had not gone looking for those in the other little ships that night, how many could have shown up? Perhaps only the four. And then after the meeting was over, someone might have said, why did you not invite us to come? We would have come. It's one thing to know those in the other little ships are there. But oh, that God would help us individually, that he would give us the wisdom, the grace to know how to reach them with the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You know, before the storm came that night, sound carries on water, doesn't it? Right? And so those in the other little ships, no doubt, could perhaps hear what the disciples were talking about in that ship before the storm came. What do people on the sidelines of your life and of my life hear us talking about? If our love is truly focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, and we will often speak of him, won't we? West Virginia, near Morgantown, West Virginia, I was asked to give my testimony one Saturday morning in a restaurant. It was called the Chat and Chew Restaurant. <laughs> it's Chat and Chew that sounded too much like the Cat and Chew restaurant to me, but it was the Chat and Chew restaurant. And and when I got there, they, they, they wanted me to give my testimony in the middle of that um, restaurant where 15 or so railway men had gathered to hear me share my testimony, how I came to know the Lord Jesus as my Savior. The problem was there had to be at least 75 people in that restaurant. And they had come to eat breakfast. Grits. I'm not sure why. So excuse this as a Canadian, but grits must be the reason the South lost the Civil War. <laughs> but at any rate, so I, I got up and, and, and spoke. I tried to speak loud enough so the 15 men could hear me, but not too loud as it were, because others had not come to listen to me. And and the Lord had put on my heart that morning to speak on, he must increase, but I must decrease. And I felt somebody would say, could you please decrease the length of your message so that we can increase by eating? And I spoke. And... uh, I thought it would only take one to be upset. Even the waitresses stopped serving. 
and I shared my testimony. And after the meeting, a man came up to me. He seemed particularly upset somehow. And I thought, oh, I must have offended him. He was now one of the 15 that had come. And uh, he came, and I noticed he had a hearing aid. I thought to myself, if a man with a hearing aid on the other side of the chat and shoe heard me, that means that everybody else heard me. And uh, he came up to me and he did this. It's different when somebody does this than this. You get the picture? And he said, I want, I want to thank you for talking this morning about the Lord Jesus Christ. Sound carries in water. Open your mouth. Talk about Jesus. Talk about the one who saved you on the cross by the shedding of his precious blood. And those in the other little ships are listening nearby. Listen, there's nothing wrong in talking about Miami Dolphins. Right? The Florida Marlins. Don't misunderstand me. You don't always have to speak about spiritual things, but if the Lord Jesus is the most important one in your life, then you will speak often of him. Speak of him, and those in the other little ships will hear you loud and clear. And my friend, can I say also, oh, somebody fell asleep and I woke them up. Some of you feel like that right now, but you're... And sometimes even when you don't say a thing, those in the other little ships notice you, you know. In Spartanburg, South Carolina, off 585, there's a railroad yard there called Hayden Yard belonging to the Norfolk Southern. For 25 years in February, I would visit that railroad yard one day a year. And every time I went into that railroad yard, nobody cared less. I would go in and out of there and Everybody would just shrug their shoulders, just walk away. And then the 26th year, I went into that railroad yard. And a man whom I did not recognize said this. It must be February. I said, I beg your pardon? He said, you always come in February. I didn't even think anybody noticed that I always came in February. But that man obviously did. I said, yes, sir. He said, my name is Art. And he said, I was so glad that you came this February. I was looking forward to it. I said, why is that, Art? He said, well, he said, since you came last February, I repented of my sin and gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, that's wonderful, brother. Thank you for sharing that. And he said, I want you to know one thing. At every time you came in February, I noticed you. I never spoke a word to that man. I didn't even remember his face. I did not know his name. Your life speaks to those in the other little ships. Right? And you don't have to be loud to be heard. Okay, You don't have to be loud to be heard 
by those in the other little ships. Let me share this one story and then two more things before I close. Is that okay? Yeah, wow. I don't ask, don't ask any more questions, Louis. And uh, you don't have to be loud to be heard. Conway, Pennsylvania, northwest of Pittsburgh, the largest railway yard, along with Selkirk, New York, east of the Mississippi River. There's a railroad shop there. I asked the Lord, there must be one of your children in this railroad shop. There had to be at least 300 men working in that railroad shop. I wanted to be, I wanted to meet one of God's children there, one that would oversee the the sharing of our gospel paper in that railroad shop. I prayed in my car. It took me 10 minutes to build up the nerve to get out of my car. When I did, my knees were shaking together. I walked to the railroad shop, and the manager was just coming out, and he said, Who are you? And when I told him, he said, I don't have time for people like you. (laughs) And he just walked right by me. He was the one to give me permission, right? And then there was a man, just a little bit slower than he was, perhaps his assistant, and he said, What do you want again? What do you say you do? I said, I write a Christian paper for railroad employees. School late. I said, I beg your pardon? School late. I said, I don't understand, sir. He said, there's a man up there talking ears off about that kind of stuff. Now, you don't seem as excited about that as I am. I had prayed that God would point me to one of his children. And how did God do that? He pointed him out to me, right? Can people point you out? Do you realize that 95% of the Christians I met in the workplace were pointed out to me by non-Christians? You know, sometimes I wonder if we ask the right question. We ask someone if they're Christians. We ought to ask the question, are you recognized as being a child of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? But I don't know about you, but I'm always 15 seconds late. I'm six minutes late now, but 15 seconds late most of the time. Do you understand what I mean? When the man left... I thought to myself, Louis, why did you not ask him if Schooley is his first name or his last name or his nickname? I wish you can wind it back up. You see, always 15 seconds late, but at least he pointed to the second floor. So I walked up there, opened the, opened the door, and it was perfect timing, the timing of the Lord. These are railroad mechanics. Locomotive mechanics, you do not talk to men like that when they're fixing engines, but it was their morning coffee break. Isn't that wonderful? Do you know when their coffee break was? I didn't, but the Lord did. There's only one problem. There's at least 150 men in that room. So which one is schooling? What would you have done? So I asked somebody, but this is the railroad. A guy was leaning up against a post. And I said, sir, in a very quiet voice, I wanted the visit to be as incognito as I could. I said, sir, I said, uh, is there a man here called Schooley? He said, hey, Schooley, man here from the railway wants to fire you, Schooley. I said, why did you do that? And all of a sudden, you got 150 pairs of eyes looking at you. Okay, brother, I don't know what your name is. I apologize. But tonight, you're going to be schooly. Okay? 
All right. Now, you have to wipe that smile off your face. It's wonderful. But it's wonderful. But I have come to fire you, Schooley. And everybody that was in that room close enough kind of gathered around to find out why I had come from the Waverly to fire Schooley. I walked up to him. I said, Schooley. I said, relax, I don't work for the railway, but I do serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody's scattered. <laughs> and why did I share that story with you? Simply this. John Schooley is the quietest man I think I've ever met. You ever met somebody like that? Maybe you're like him. How are things going, John? Good? Your family? Good? How are things in your job, John? Good? You get the picture? But what did that man say? There's a man up there who will talk your ears off about that stuff. Those in the other little ships in that railroad shop hear that spirit-filled man even though he's the quietest man. You don't have to be loud to be heard by those in the other little ships. And so sometimes if you struggle with getting the words out, don't 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 let that be a don't let that be a stumbling block. Share what you can. Okay? Share with the Lord Jesus Christ. Two things and then I'll I'm done. Okay? Yes. All right. I only come once in a lifetime, so <laughs> you know. And uh Septa Transit. Southeastern Pennsylvania Transit Authority, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. A man going through a very deep storm of life. As he explained it to me, he said, I was like a bomb, B-O-M-B, just about to go off. I was that angry at everyone in that life. And one night in Philadelphia, he's driving his bus. It's 11 o'clock at night. And these two young men, adult young men, get on his bus and they gave that fellow a tract. He said, the biggest religious tract I've ever seen in my life. He said, I took it, I crumbled it in my hand, I threw it on the floor, and I told those two men to get away from me if they knew what was good for them. And those two young men retreated. And after a little while, they were still in my bus, he said. He said, I asked him a question. You guys know your Bible? I got a question to ask you. And I know you won't be able to answer it. And those two young men approached, and the man asked this question, and one of the young men said to him, he said, Sir, I wish I could answer your question, but my friend and I, we have only been Christians now for less than two months. We are reading the Bible, and perhaps one day, with God's help, maybe we'll be able to answer your question. And he said, That's what I figured. You guys don't know nothing. And the young man said, Sir, at least I know this much. God loved you so much that he gave his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die for you personally on the cross of Calvary. And the man hit the brakes and he said to those two young men, get off my bus. And that was in their stop. They got off the bus. An hour later, it doesn't always happen this way, but the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes it. Do you believe that? You should if it's changed your life. And uh, the bus was empty. Was it? What was on the ground? 
<laughs> a tract that he had crumpled. He picked it up and he read it. And like Lydia's heart, the Lord opened that man's heart. He went to the back of that bus and gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And a great calm came to his soul. Do you realize when the Lord Jesus Christ said, peace be still, he not only silenced that storm for his frightened disciples, he also silenced that storm for those in the other little ships? You know, there are two young men in Philadelphia that are a lot older now, and perhaps they meet from time to time, and they reflect on that incident in which they were asked to, 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 to leave that bus. And that dear bus driver told me, he said, I never saw those two young men ever again on my bus. He said, they have no idea what happened in my life an hour later. Share what you know. Share what you can. Those two young men were young babes in Christ, but they knew enough to share the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Did I make a point? No, I don't think I did, you know. One thing, God cares for those in the other little ships, right? Tampa. I'm in Florida, right? Right? There's a railroad yard there belonging to the CSX Railroad. There was a man there who had been witnessed to by his workmates in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He was transferred to Tampa, Florida. And those dear brothers in, in Grand Rapids encouraged me to go and visit that workmate and to sh- continue to share the gospel with him. But when I saw him, he was less than happy. And he made it very clear to me, I do not want to see you ever again, he said to me. And for several years, I did not. I respected his wishes. And one day when I was visiting in Tampa, Florida, the Spirit of God impressed upon my heart to go back and visit that man. And yet he had asked me never to see him again. And I said, Lord, he asked me never to see him again. But I obeyed the prompting of the Spirit of God. I did not know if he even worked there still. And I walked down the... The hallway towards his, where his office was. And when I heard his voice, I recognized it. And I stepped into the open door of his office. And he looked at me and he frowned. And then the phone rang. And to give him privacy, I backed off a little bit. But I could overhear from the hallway. He had gotten a call from his sister. Their mother was dying at the very time he was going through a storm of life. The Lord has sent a man from Toronto, Canada, at that very moment that he received that phone call. The Lord cares for people going through the storms of life in the other little ships who do not have him as their savior. And I prayed in the hallway. I said, Lord, I said, Lord, may he be able to discern who has sent me here today. And when he put the phone down, I waited for a bit. When you get a call that your mother is, is going to die, you know, that's a hard phone call. I didn't want to interfere. But I walked back. And I looked down. He had his head bowed. He looked up. And sadly, he did this. 
All he saw was a man from Canada. He did not see the Savior who was sending the man from Canada to minister to him. Perhaps he came to that realization later. We do not know. You've been so kind and gracious to listen. Why is this portion of scripture speak to my heart for two reasons and then I'll close promise. First of all, I was raised very religiously in a Roman Catholic home. I was very religious, but I wasn't saved. I went church to church every Sunday morning, but I wasn't saved. At age 17, I moved to Hamilton, Ontario to attend McMaster University. And when my parents left me there in that college residence, I cried like a baby. (laughs) It was the worst day of my life. That was a very stormy day. And in that college residence were 50 young men. And only one amongst them was different than all the rest. And on that day, he saw me in that storm-tossed boat. And he showed me the love of Christ. I always say I saw the gospel before I ever heard the gospel. And it was that young man, one out of 50, in Matthews Hall at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario, the young man who saw me in that storm-tossed boat, one in those other little ships. It was that same young man who pointed me to the cross of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for salvation. This is why this is important to me. The second reason is this. You know, you might not know this. It may not appear so. But I am here tonight by the grace of God. Last December, I fell suddenly ill. I uh, was in very critical condition. Um... My pancreas was dying. The doctors did not know if it would continue to die. I lost 70% of my pancreas. But I'm here tonight. I spent three months in a hospital from December 23rd to March the 21st. Over the course of those three months, I had 25 fellow male patients in my hospital room. I didn't have to look very far to find those in the other little ships that were right beside me going through the storm of life. Some of them entered eternity. My friends, not one of them. I repeat, not one of those 25 men knew the Savior. For three months when I was in the hospital, lying side by side with those men, uh, I only saw the Bible once. Mine. Don't have a burden for those in the other little ships nearby going through the storms of life without a Savior. Amen. It mentions at the beginning of that text that there were those in the other little ships They were not alone that night, and neither are we. I trust that the Lord would graciously use you 
point those in those other little ships, storm-tossed, in the days prior to his soon return, to trust in him, in his finished work on the cross of Calvary. Amen. Amen. Did anybody ever got anything out of that message? (laughs) May the Lord richly bless you and keep you. By the way, I am doing well, although my health is fragile. I was told for three months that I would be a diabetic if you only have 30% of your pancreas left. It doesn't produce much insulin. But by the grace of God, I am not diabetic. Not that there's anything wrong in being diabetic. Do you understand? Say yes. It will help me along. (laughs) I am not diabetic by the grace of God. But I'm thankful for the privilege once again to come and to meet you all, many of you for the first time. And may this word have encouraged you to be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in him is not in vain. Amen. Father, thank you for the one that you used in my life on that day in September 1969 who saw me. Didn't see the darkness in that college residence as dark as that place really was. On that very first day that we met, he was the only one out of the 50 who showed me any loving concern. Thank you for using that man to point me to the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, many of us are alone, perhaps, as believers in our workplace, in our classroom. And we are surrounded by those, O God, that know not the Savior. Help us, Lord, to have a compassionate heart for them. I think of that man in Tampa, Florida. At the very moment that he received a call from his sister concerning their dying mother, you made it possible for a man at Mississauga, Canada, to be in that railway yard office at the very same moment. Lord, you care for those that are in those other little ships. Oh, they had listened. They had listened. And perhaps the Lord allowed that storm to get to the point where even the disciples themselves realized who it was that was in their boat. And when he said, peace be still, he not only silenced that storm for his own, he silenced it for those and the other little ships. And perhaps they also could hear, who is this? Who the wind and even the waves obey. And so we thank you, O God, that we serve a living God, that we've been given the privilege of sharing a powerful, life-saving message. Help us to be faithful in spreading it. Help us to share what we know, what we can, before your soon return. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much.